This is the Athletic Football Show. Welcome to the Athletic Football Show. I'm Robert Mays. Joining me tonight is my good friend Nate Tice. Nate, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing very well. Now I'm trying to like think of stuff to say right away because I already got like made fun of for my <laughs> meandering thoughts to start each podcast. And I'm aware that I do it. It's because I sit here for the two minutes as we're doing the intro, listening to Beller give an ad read and just kind of like thinking lost my thoughts. Like the last thing I think of before this podcast starts, it's a great day of NFL Sunday. NFL is awesome. Don't get me wrong. Is that my closet door is open. And that was the last thought that went through my head. And it was like, welcome to the athletic football show. <laughs> so I'm doing great. Can you tell me I, I had a nice little shot of espresso before this episode too? Like that was just I, a- We have to stay up and watch the White Lotus finale after we yeah. finish recording this, my fiance and I. So she's been planning for it for like six hours. And I also had to just drink a cold brew. I just drank the a Stumptown cold brew at 1045. I'm levitating right now. That's amazing. So we're, you guys are about to see something. I'm gonna, we're going to rip it here over Some the next fireworks. hour or so. A lot of stuff to dig into today. We're going to talk about the Lions' big win. Talk about big day for Jalen Hurts and what that might mean for the MVP conversation. Purdy mania happening out there in San Francisco. <laughs> I'm very excited about that. Talk about the NFC and AFC playoff pictures, just kind of where things stand. Kind of go rapid fire through some of the yeah. games today that might affect the playoff pictures in both conferences. Let's start with the game we just watched, though. Uh, Nate, not sure if you, uh, you're aware of this, but, uh, Justin Herbert's pretty good. I, I, uh, I've said this before on the show. I have the same note. I think that Justin Herbert guy is pretty, pretty damn good. And I think, uh, I think he was, Willing to try some stuff tonight. I've seen some two or some, uh, Justin Herbert creative plays had a Freudian slip right there. The, some like creative plays right there. That was pretty, uh, that was a great performance from Justin Herbert and really the Chargers, actually the Chargers defense. We'll get to it in a sec, but that Justin Herbert guy, he, uh, he can play some football. He can sling that pigskin around. The, what he did under pressure today, just seemingly every time someone was in his face, this is a, a skill that he has had for a very long time. And, there have been some iffy moments with this over the last few weeks as their offensive line has crumbled even further right. than it had over the last couple of years. You know, losing your right tackle, your left tackle, and your starting center last week. Is that all? They, they couldn't <laughs> even operate against the no. Raiders. But even in the first half of the season when they weren't rolling and when he was banged up with a rib injury, if you look at how few sacks he was taking right. compared to how often he was getting pressured, his ability – to not make bad plays horrific plays and to skirt around pressure in the pocket, keep plays alive. It's a combination of a lot of stuff for me. I think it's processing, athletic ability, which for a guy his size is super rare. The way that he can move and manipulate the pocket for somebody that's 6'6", I've never seen anybody except for a guy we might talk about a little bit later who can do it. Like Kim and Lawrence at that size are really the first guys I've seen that can do that. Josh Allen, 6'5". We've had the tall quarterback conversation a million different times. (laughs) But watching him do that is pretty remarkable. And then the strength to get some throws off. So today, the Dolphins blitzed him, according to next-gen stats, on 43.6% of his dropbacks. He was pressured on 31%. Of his dropbacks in this game, and he finished 39 of 51 for 367 yards. And that doesn't even begin to mention some of the weird third and short play calls. Some in the, we talk about them, the Carter one at the beginning of the game, a screen to Keenan Allen that wasn't really a screen. I mean, they're still the same Chargers frustrations, but this is one of those days where he just outshines all of that stuff. That's, that's it. And that's where just getting into that whole, 
all the social media quarterback stuff is always why it's so frustrating about just with Justin Herbert is he makes those highlight throws, the shot play to Mike Williams, you know, that again, that he had pressure on, even though that play is designed to wad it up. So the quarterback has plenty of space. He still has two guys beelining right at him and he puts down the money. It's all the in-between stuff that Justin Herbert does. He is yeah. a, he, he, the twitchiness, the big, the size, the movement in the pocket, the big throws, the big arm. It's everything in between all those flashy, all those flashy things. That's why I, I laughed all the time when people were like, yeah, you know, people just got, you know, I'll go over those three throws. It's like, no, we all go over the 15 throws in between that where he's it's making the, the guy miss. That's it's the combination. Yes. It's the highlights plus the process. Yeah. That's what makes him so just rare in terms of the skill set and the combination. Yep. It's not just the highlight plays. No. And when you see games like tonight, there, there's a reason why I thought that he was going to knock on the door of being in that top tier of quarterbacks this year. And it didn't end up happening for a lot of different reasons in terms of his overall production for the season. But this argument that he's not a borderline elite quarterback or that he hasn't broken through yet, the word you used on Friday, I thought was perfect. He's exceptional. He is is exceptional. And where you want to stack him up among the guys in the league – that's a conversation we can have right. at a different time, but he is exceptional. He is one of those quarterbacks that you win because of, not just win with. And yes. tonight is a serious reminder of that. And one of the things that I found strangest about the discourse, and there has been discourse right. last week, is this idea that he hasn't really broken out yet. And maybe he hasn't yeah. had the MVP type season, but the stat I threw out on our Thursday preview show over the last 11 years, 12 years since 2010, among guys with at least 1,000 pass attempts, he's 11th at EPA per dropback. He's already broken out. He's already had that season where he was an elite or borderline elite quarterback. And even if this has been uneven over the course of this year as things have crumbled around him, it's so strange to me that people don't think he's had that kick down the door moment because I thought he had it last year. Yeah. And that's what – that's what's so funny to me. They're like, oh, he's dipped back this year. He has the potential – no, no, he he already did it all. Like he, ever since he's been in the league, he's I think he's fifth in EPA per dropback or tied for fifth. And the guys above him are the guys you think that would be above him. Above him, it's Aaron Rodgers, Mahomes, Josh Allen, I think Deshaun Watson, and I believe he's tied with Tom Brady. It's like he's he's already there. Like it's just yeah. that yes, it's all I'm sure it, Burrow's getting there now. Burrow's right behind right over the there. last couple I mean, years, and yeah. that's the thing is Burrow also had the weird rookie year with he got injured and stuff. So, but like now it's like yeah, Burrow's climbing up the ranks. But that's the thing. I'm glad. You said that that first fourth down call. If the Chargers didn't win this game, I was going to say that that play was the encapsulation of all the Chargers' issues, or the, it was just the Chargers as a whole. I don't even say issues. Brand Staley, awesome, goes for it in fourth and goal early in the game. Okay, cool. That I, I love it. Yeah, be aggressive. Then it was a Joe Lombardi special where they isolate DeAndre Carter, the guy that's played <laughs> 700 snaps leading into this year for four different teams, and it was like. Uh, I understand. Again, it's a, we've talked about this a lot with our frustrations with the Chargers offenses. A lot of stuff that seems good on the chalkboard. And then you get into practice and it's like, well, they covered it. Yeah. Or what, what, do you, what else you got? Like, how else are you going to make this easier on your team? So that play was like an encapsulation. But again, Herbert overcomes this stuff. And that's why in Austin Eckler too. But that fourth down, there's a fourth down, third down throw, third down out route to Keenan Allen. It's third say, Yeah. Third and five. Uh, what did I say for that? Fourth quarter, third down throughout yeah. with about nine minutes left. And that right there is Justin Herbert. Puts it on the money, tightly covered, uh, covered like a covered hard route to throw and puts on the money like it was nothing. That's Allen's Justin reaction Herbert. was amazing. The this fact is, that his first reaction was to turn around and just point straight at him. That, that's how you know. It's like, that that's, guy has seen 
a lot of football, Keenan Allen, over the last decade. A lot of good He's seen a lot of play. really good quarterbacking. <laughs> and for him to react like that, I think, says everything it needs to that's say. That's what it is. That, and that's the stuff that Herbert does. And that's why it's I've, – I've made this joke before with the processing stuff. So he makes that flashy throw. It goes to the right spot. And it's just like that's him right then and there. And it's not Drew Brees. It's Drew Windstorm, like how he processes and everything because he does all that stuff. He re- reads – there's all the jokes about stick that everyone's running to the ground now. But the thing is, Herbert gets through all of it. He'll hit the middle check down like Drew Brees used to, but then all of a sudden he's pulling up and throwing 60-yard bombs. It's the combination that makes him so special. Who knows what will happen over the next you know, four weeks or so, five yeah. weeks or so. I mean, the Chargers are very <laughs> much back in the They're playoff hunt now after winning that game. But this is still a very flawed team. Yes. And it's not about that to me. It's about the fact that over the last few days, over the last couple of weeks – there have been these rumblings about like what's Justin for Herbert's future and what kind of quarterback is he right. really? And I think you and I both were looking at that stuff and just being like, "What? Yeah, that like, was I just, I, I just don't really understand that." We can talk about his ceiling and yeah. where that exists, but his floor and what he is—I don't really have a lot of doubts or confusion no. or concerns about that. Like, I think he is firmly one of the most important, valuable players, period, in the yeah. NFL over the next five years. His situation can't get worse than this year, and he's already playing productive football. So it's like, yeah. okay, we know what his floor is now. Like, this is it. <laughs> there no, zero complaints from my end, at least. So the Jets lost, which we'll get into a little bit later. We'll talk yeah. about the Chargers' playoff chances when we when we talk about that game. But you know, they're really flipped today with that win. I mean, they have a pretty good chance of actually sneaking into this thing now. Yep. A team that is still very likely going to make the playoffs, but another rough outing is the team that they beat tonight with the Dolphins. Tua finishes 10 of 28 for 145 yards. Yeah. You mentioned before we started, if you take out that bomb to Tyreek Hill where Michael Davis slips, what is what are the numbers? Nine for 27 for 85 yards. Jesus. Which is pretty dire. <laughs> so, if you're trying to diagnose what went wrong tonight, what would you say? Is it connected to last week? It's terrible. I shouldn't ask two questions at once, but I just did. <laughs> where Where are you at about what might be the root cause of this? Uh, well, th- you saw the O line blemishes come up, and when when the stuff you're not getting those chunk plays that they live off of that. We're, again, what we always talk about easy buttons. It was a game where the Chargers were like, okay, do the hard stuff over and over. And you could see that the Dolphins struggled with it. And it kind of in a different, some similarities, I say same philosophical like way ago about it that the 49ers did last week as far as being aggressive, being physical with this Dolphins, uh, especially this Dolphins receiving group. Make sure they get hands on them, no free releases, and maybe diff- different coverages and different looks. I think there's a lot, what I'm seeing is that Tua trusts Mike McDaniel to point him in the right direction and stuff. He can progress to get to that spot, but it's it's ingrained in him. He ad-libbed more than he ever has tonight. I think he had like three scrambles tonight, which is like only like the third multi-scramble game of the season. And you could see it is because he was starting to go like, well, I have to get to three and three is covered. Oh, shoot. Or I have to get to two and two is covered. All right, I guess I got to go scramble now. That's why you're starting to see that because it was a lot of the stuff. It felt like the Chargers were showing the one look, the pre-snap look. And then the post-snap look, either bailing from the line of scrimmage or getting physical with the routes, changing up the timing. Um, it felt like in its own way, a very mini version of the famous uh, Colts-Patriots game in the playoffs where they changed the legal contact rules. I'm not saying they're going to change all that. Not change it. Honestly, though, it. that's a, it's a great thing to bring up because there was that's a play, I think, like. the first or second drive where Drew Tranquil was – Tyreek Hill was in the slot. Yeah. It was in completion. Exactly it almost turned into an interception. Yeah. And he rocks Tyreek Hill yep. about at five yards. 
So they're trying to skirt that line a little bit in this game and how aggressive they were playing all across the board. Next gen stats, really interesting numbers. 35% press coverage for the Chargers in this game. Single season high for them. Second highest the Dolphins have faced in a game this year. The Bills were at 40% in week three. The only reception that the Dolphins had against press in this game was that Tyreek Hill 60-yard touchdown. Which was just a wild one. And they did it 35% of the time. Yeah. So I think that, and they didn't play a ton of man coverage, you know, no. but they were physical in zone coverage. The, fa- the example you brought up was slot press. We always think of press on the outside. Yeah. You know, like that's the thing. You're getting contact on the slot. So you're not getting those overs and those things over the middle. And that's, teams are so terrified of them during the first half of the season. And then when Tua was really rolling, I just wanted somebody to get up and start playing this type of style. Because if you're going to go down, go down swinging. Yeah, like there's just no reason to sit back and let them get these chunks Christ. over and over and over again, right? Because at some point you're going to have to disrupt the machine, it, because that's what Tua's trust and what that machine looked like yep. was so vital to why they were successful that I think that you have to rattle that trust a little bit and the yes. timing of it. And I think that's exactly what you saw tonight. And just little tiny tweaks. You know, Staley's a really good specific game planner. Yep. The idea of on certain looks where. I can't remember exactly what the down and distance situation was. It looked like two man, but it might not have been where they had heavy, heavy inside leverage on Waddle and Hill, both lined up on the left side with safety help over the top of both of them. And just like, all right, it's heavy, heavy inside leverage. They yeah. want to hit these in breakers. Yeah. There's nowhere to go with it. And so I just thought that he called a great game. The game plan was really good defensively. And then you have a quarterback who looked pretty damn good. And guess what? Looked pretty damn good with his guys back. Yeah. I, I, I want to say. <laughs> Coming into this game, I think that Josh Palmer, Keenan Allen, and Mike Williams have played like a dozen snaps together or something like that this season. And even with the offensive line concerns, having those three guys back and together and just their full arsenal of receiving options, you saw what sort of a difference that makes. And you saw what that quarterback can play like when he has even a smidge of help. Yeah. It was was pretty dire. Like there was a lot of points for how poor the O-lines were playing on both sides of the ball. (laughs) Like it was, I I credit to what the Dolphins, how they designed their stuff and a couple two of things, but then also just Herbert being Herbert. Like it's like credit to those guys because man, there was some bad, bad, there's a lot of O-line leakiness in this game. And that's what Christian Wilkins has a standout game. He's had a standout season. Uh, That's pretty cool watching Awesome. I, I'm kinda, I was bummed that we didn't really mention him last week because we were so worried about yeah. how the offense played against the Niners and the Purdy situation. He was fantastic against San Francisco last week, and so I meant good. to talk about it. I want to say, and I'm not – probably is still the case after this game. He led the league in run stops for loss or non-sack tackles for loss among was, any players in the league after last week. I mean, yeah. the level of disruption that he is creating week in, week out is remarkable. And this game was another example oh, yeah. of that. That's my new favorite stat put together in True Media. Is, yeah. It's a TFLs, great one. Non-sack TFLs plus run stops. So it's like, yeah. And he's he leads the league. He just took the lead again tonight. Uh, Matt Milano, I think, is in second. But yeah, he is just a monster. Just think about that. Think about how you how disruptive you have to be as a defensive tackle to lead yes. the league in that stat when yep. you're going against guys like Matt Milano. It's incredible. Yeah, it is. Are you how concerned are you about the Dolphins moving forward with, with uh, the offense and the way that it's operating right now? Do you feel like this is a blip? Do you feel like this is the sign of what's to come? Where are you at? They're putting I mean, they're now put it on tape. You know, that's what's scary. You don't want to be doing this right as you're heading into the postseason. Like I like I've loved what the Dolphins have done on offense, but you're now seeing 
our preseason worries kind of come to fruition in week <laughs> kind of at the worst time for them. Uh, you know, week 14 charging into December and January. And then that's the thing is they're not playing like pushovers the rest of the way. You got, you just mentioned that the Bills were the ones that pressed them the most last. Bills are one of the smartest defenses. They play them next. And then you got the Packers, which is, you know, they might be starting Jordan Love, who knows? But then the Patriots are a physical team. And then you got the Jets who are a physical defense as well. So, it's kind of a murderer's row for this offense. I think the defense is kind of what we know. It's middle of the packish, maybe a little above averagey. You run on them a little bit. They're going to try and blitz you a little bit. But I think this offense is you're starting to see some of the cracks where, or just the imperfections of this offense become more glaring. As that's what happens. That's when, when the season gets late, you have it happens so much film. Every year to every everyone. Year. Everybody. And I can't remember what week it was. We did a show with David Helm and we were talking about the Super Bowl contenders. And I was talking about the Dolphins, and I said, I just want to see them work through whatever yep. little dip is coming for their offense because it's coming. It always comes. It, almost every single offense except Kansas City. Yep. The Chiefs don't really have those like two or three game swoons because no. Mahomes just doesn't have really bad <laughs> games. I mean, he threw three interceptions today, but if you look at the overall numbers, like great. he doesn't bottom out. No. And that's what makes them different. For the most part, almost every other offense you're going to think about, talk about, is going to have that little blip Absolutely. over the course of a season. And I remember the Bills last year in the middle of the year had that exact sort of thing. Yep. And I wanted to see what would happen when the Dolphins had to work through that. And they absolutely can. There's a chance that they can, but now we're going to see it. And now we're going to see what they look like coming out on the other side because that ultimately is what dictates – how much of a threat you're going to be yes. come playoff time. So yes. this is going to be a really important stretch for Mike McDaniel and that team. It's the first time we've ever seen him have to do this. Yep. It's the first time we've ever seen Tua have to do this. Yep. And to me, it's a pretty telling process. So it's, I'm excited to see how it goes. This is the most fascinating thing. This is why I'm so high on what the Bengals are doing right now because they have got That's punched it. in That's the mouth great point. and they counterpunched. And now it's like, oh, this is awesome to watch. But it took them a while, but they got there. But honestly – Watching the Chargers, the last week I want to say that the uh, the Dolphins ran that money play, the RPO wheel play, like I think it was eighteen times. I, I want to say off the top of my head, maybe even twenty. And the Chargers covered it today. It was the first team I've seen a, a team consistently cover it throughout a game, at least three times. I saw. So it's like, okay, they took away your easy button. Now what do you got? And that's what we talk about game planning coaches. This is where they come to. They start rising to the top, and that's what's going to be fun. I've really liked what Mike McDaniel has done. I like what Tua has, how he's operating this offense, but now they just got to punch, punch them out tw- two weeks in a row. So what else you got? All right. One more thing I want to talk about before we get to you have my attention. I want to chat a little bit about the MVP conversation. It has yeah. been a while since we've done this. I think that you and I are in a little bit of consensus about who the MVP of the league has been through the first 13 weeks. When you did your second edition of the 30s, you said that Patrick Mahomes was the MVP. I tended to agree with you. If you look at the numbers, you know they're the most efficient passing offense in the league. They're the most efficient offense in the league. They still lead the NFL in most of the most most of the important offensive categories: yeah. advanced box score, anything, and. He's doing this when they purposely took a step back with their offensive personnel. When they lost Tyreek Hill and they kind of said, all right, we're going to put all this on you. What can you do? He's still been the best quarterback in football. And I think that for those reasons, that's why he was the MVP to me. And he probably still is. But I want to talk about what an MVP argument for for Jalen Hurts might look like. Okay, Mahomes is still the MVP betting favorite coming into this game. Mm-hmm. He throws three picks today. I have to assume that there's going to be at least a narrative 
groundswell about Jalen Hurts this week. I see it. I see it forming. <laughs> I mean, it's it's already coming. So yeah. here's my argument about if I'm going to make an argument for why Jalen Hurts is the MVP, I'm, here's how I would lay it out. Okay. I understand that if you put Patrick Mahomes in the Eagles offense with the Eagles supporting cast, which is part of my argument, that they it would be absolute fireworks all the time. It would be electric. They're the best offensive line in the league. Yeah. They have a fantastic running game. They have amazing weapons. We see how often those guys just dunk on people left and right. But I also think that it's not that easy. It's not as simple as that. Yeah. Because what makes the Eagles so scary this season? Is that no matter what you do, they have an answer for it. We've seen that week in and week out. Last week against Tennessee, they're like, fine, we're not, we don't care. We're not going to run the ball because you can't stop us throwing the ball. And they just rain down on you for four quarters. The week before that, they played the Packers and they just ran all over them for four quarters because they could. And I think that J1 Hurts is integral to being able to do that. The fact that he is a centerpiece of their running game and a centerpiece, obviously, of their passing game, I think their ability to have answers to everything doesn't come nearly as easily if they don't have Jalen Hurts. And I think that today was another really good example. I mean, he's making three or four really impressive throws on third down. The third and sixth completion with 8.05 in the first quarter was a beautiful ball to Devontae Smith. Third and three completion against the Bliss to Quest Watkins early in the game. Third and six scramble on the same drive. Fourth and seven, that completion on the slot fade to Devontae Smith is a yep. really well-placed ball down the sideline. So it's just – I understand that the scopes and players are great. I understand that the help is great. But he's making four or five throws a game at this point that are him making plays. And when you combine that with the rushing, I, I was blown away by some of these numbers. Right now, he has 35 total rushing EPA. No one else in the league – is over 19 that has more than 25 carries. That's twice as much as almost any other runner in the NFL. Some of that is driven by the sneaks and like yeah. the touchdowns. So if you take out rushes with two or few yards to go, so not sneaks, he's still at 22. He still leads the NFL. He is still first in EPA per rush among all players with at least 50 carries. And then he's seventh in EPA per dropback. Yeah. And then the Eagles are the best offense in the NFC and the second best offense in any metric you want to look at. Mm-hmm. Points per drive, touchdowns per drive, red zone efficiency, set of downs that produce a first down. They're second in every single one of those to the Chiefs. So the fact that he gives them that flexibility and he's kind of at the center of that flexibility, that's how I would make that argument. Yeah. I. It's so hard for me because I'm just like, you, you've laid out all my Mahomes portions of this. But I just want to take a second before... I just list off a, mach- a machine gun, a Gatling gun of uh, my home stats is Hertz has improved this year in ways that I, I was a glass half empty about him in the sense that he is operating from the pocket. That third and three example to Quez Watkins is perfect is yeah. two guys staring down the barrel. Uh, Giants brought a cover zero and he hits that route on time because if he's late on that, that's an incomplete, an incomplete pass. And that's like, okay, that is the progress I want to see. He has 83 design rushes, like the weeds all quarterbacks. It's, it's absurd. I'm glad he listed the EPA and stuff. That, the QB sneak with him, why they're able to do it is because he's a weapon. When you watch yeah. him as a runner, and he's such a different type of runner than the other type of really good running quarterbacks, so Josh Allen's and the Lamars and everything, is that he is just so strong. And he has solid vision. He gets north, and he can just bounce off the first, ta- or first tackler over and over and over and over. But the thing is, 
and another thing that I'll give one last stat that really speaks for Hertz is you look at EPA per dropback, Mahomes blows everybody out of the water, right? Uh, and I'll get to that in a second. But if you look at e- EPA per play, including all the runs and everything, then Hertz is third. And that really speaks to him. Who's he, second? Tua? Tua? Tua going in tonight. So we'll yeah. see what he is after. But it's, it was Mahomes, Tua, and then Hertz and Dak Prescott. So, I'm, of course, I want to list that set off. Get, get Dak, get, a, get him a little love in there. Yeah, but You're nothing but consistent. I know. I, I know, but I'm just not going to – the shiny toy, I'm not going to go for it. But I'm going to go for – this is Mahomes. This is why Mahomes is, to me, the MVP. And I don't want to knock anything that Hertz has done. He, I think – if I did offensive player of the year right now, like it, it's like Tyreek and Hurts. Like, I, honestly, like I would be willing to vote for a quarterback. Usually I think that's a non quarterback award, but I think Mahomes is MVP. The EPA per dropback, 0.3. It's the third best since 2018. It's the fifth best since 2012 with quarterbacks of 500 more attempts. The other ones, the top five, 2013 Peyton Manning, 2014 Aaron Rodgers, 2019 Lamar, 2018 Mahomes. And he's tied with 2016 Matt Ryan. His scramble EPA this year, total. He's fourth. Hurts is third. Just total EPA they yeah. generate on scramble. Sack percentage. Mahomes is third. Hertz is 23rd. Pass success rate. Mahomes is first. Hertz is 11th. True dropbacks. So this is no play action, no screens. Chiefs do do a lot, a decent amount of it. He's about league average, Mahomes. 67% of his, are, are, of his pass plays are true dropbacks. Hertz is 29th. Just about half of his passes, passing plays are non-play action, non-screens. And you already listed off that all the other metrics, the team metrics, is all this. And it's, I just don't want to discredit what Hertz is doing, but what Mahomes is doing is like, it, it, we talk about exceptional. It, this is the true star stuff. This is not a down year. This is a top, top year for any quarterback in recent memory. And that's how we should look at it. That you can throw three interceptions and still have a QBR of 68 today. He threw for, he had a positive EPA today. He positive, had three interceptions. His EPA per drop back today is what Hertz's is on the entire season 0.08. And he had three interceptions today. And that just, I mean, just the, the t- touchdown of McKinnon where he's just hook shotting it, like the runaround touchdown that he had later. It, it's unbelievable what this guy does. And it's just the classic alien test or the classic someone that's never watched football. You take him out there. Who's the best player? And everyone would just go number 15. And it's just, he is just that special. I, I that's true. And I understand <laughs> that. And, but then the, obviously the what he does is spectacular and the touchdown today is a perfect example and the dropback numbers are there but w- what makes the Hertz case interesting to me is about how important he is to the overall system and structure to what the Eagles do yeah and even like Miles Sanders is second in the NFL in total rushing EPA if you look it's at those numbers from it. Is yeah. Miles Sanders that efficient of a runner if Jalen Hurts yes. is not there? And I think that those are sort of the layers no, I, I to the totally conversation that I yeah. found in, that I find interesting. I still think, gun to my head, I'm picking Patrick Mahomes. But I think that there's going to be a building momentum for Jalen Hurts as the Eagles continue to do this. And I'm trying to just put myself in that position and think about what that might look like. And in my mind, the key parts to that argument and what it looks like is the fact that it's the rushing and the passing. It's not just his rushing. Like his, how central he is to their ability to have this fluency and this flexibility on offense, that's at the core of it for me. Mm -hmm. So even if I'm still picking Mahomes, I I feel better about what those Jalen Hurts arguments might look like as they're going to start popping up more and more here. If you ever... Man, it's it's it's. I I know exactly what you're saying because they can't operate how they operate, especially in the run game. When if Hertz isn't there, if he isn't such a special runner and knows how to do all of it, so I totally get what you're saying. It's just 
the passing game is just a little bit that's where my argument falls away a bit it's like you know how simplistic it is but they don't not knocking the play calling or play design because it's just they don't have to do anything else because the, so, ama- the play calling and play design is excellent because <laughs> it's so streamlined it's just yes. pick your poison we're gonna destroy you no matter what but i i totally get what you're saying to centric but then i watch then you just watch Mahomes and you're like well can anyone else do what this freaking guy's doing and then that, that's where it is he could drop in and you could run any offense with him maybe not what the ravens do but it's like you could drop him in and Mahomes is going to maximize what they're doing he's the most scheme proof player in the in the world and so I don't it's, know. Fun, I, it's a fun I, consideration I, what would the eagles offense look like if patrick Mahomes was their quarterback i don't know I don't know. And, and that's why this is fun to me because it's not just as simple as be like, all right, I'll drop this guy into right. what they're doing and they'll be better because the Eagles wouldn't look anything like the Eagles if Patrick Mahomes was yeah. their quarterback. The, They'd probably be better, yeah. <laughs> but right. they wouldn't look anything no. like they look right now. That Which speaks to the coaches again. They, the, I do and want it to speaks to it. how valuable Hurts is yeah. for what he does to them. For what he is. He, yes, he's just a specific player. I'm, I'm trying to think of cross sports comparison with him. And I would like kind of drawn a blank a little bit. But the that real quick, just talk about the, how design and how they use Hertz's ability to to their benefit. They had a backed up third and one, and we talk about the QB sneak play with Hertz is one of the best weapons in the game right now. And they showed the QB sneak. They did tackle over, so Mylotta was kicked over to the other side, and they did a tight end motion into a pitch play off of it, which I thought was awesome. It's like they they're getting see this when we talk about hey, you get kicked in the teeth or what what wrinkles do you got. The Eagles already shown these wrinkles before anyone kicks them in the teeth. I've already talked about that. Every time they've had a blemish so far where it was like, oh, man, some teams figuring out some answers. The next week, they have something where they're like, oh, check that box. They solved it. So, again, this 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 Eagles offense is pretty freaking awesome. Like, it's it's really hard to figure out who can stop them. And that speaks to Hurts and what Hurts is doing, how he's operating as well. But it's still right. Mahomes to me and still will be home. Mahomes probably every week for the rest of the year. I'm telling you guys, top five years since 2012. It's like this is a historic year that he's doing right now. But the Hurts argument is fun. I probably agree with you. But again, it's fun <laughs> to do this every once in a while. I All right. We're going to take a quick break and then we're going to get back with you at my attention. Gentlemen, you have my curiosity. But now you have my attention. Brock Purdy. <laughs> you have my attention. Yeah, Purdy mania. Brock in this game. Let me get back to it. Brock goes 16 to 21 for 185 and two touchdowns in a game where the Niners destroy the Bucks 35 to 7. Where do you even want to start with this? Well, I originally when Debo got hurt, I, I was going to say that the 49ers are officially the Black Knight and Monty Python. You know, it's just a flesh ruin. They just keep coming. They're just gonna gnaw you off. I don't know, man. Like that he made a couple he makes a couple of throws that, that this is the Brock Purdy stat that I think just perfectly encapsulates the difference of Brock Purdy and Jimmy G, because there's so many similarities as far as where they're attacking, what plays they're calling, and everything is Jimmy G scrambled twice this entire season. Brock Purdy's already scrambled three times this entire season. <laughs> that is then and there. The difference in play style, 60% of Purdy's throws are outside the pocket. That's double of Jimmy G's rate of 7.8%. So that uh, that's a little bit of the difference with this play style. But, man, he's, he knows how to operate it. Man, everything's calm. They have no cadence stuff. Um, he's making all the checks and kills. They're doing all the motion stuff. They haven't dumbed down anything uh, for this offense. And the run game looks awesome. And – yeah, Purdy Mania. Uh, I'm. It, it was. It was fun to watch. He has. He makes a couple of throws that are really fun. 
<laughs> and within what they're trying to accomplish offensively. Right. And the opening drive, they had a third and seven. It was a one by three with Kittle on the right side. Yep. And he hits a little in-breaker to Kittle. When they get five in their pattern, the quarterback, I'm not saying is not inconsequential, but, no, but there's a lot you can you have to yes. worry about if you're a defense. So today I was curious about it because watching that play, McCaffrey gets out into the flat to the same side that Kittle is on. Yep. And so there's just so many threats, especially when Debo is healthy, which we can talk about. In this game, when the Niners had five out in the pattern, Brock Purdy was 12 of 14 for 142 yards. <laughs> I mean, just very, very hard to stop. It kind yeah, of goes without saying. So you have that that ex- example with Kittle. The McCaffrey touchdown is just wonky Kyle Shanahan shit. Yeah. McCaffrey is at number one. George Kittle is in the backfield. Yep. And so the Bucks on that play, they were in one of their wonky Todd Bowles type things. The defensive tackles were lined up as off-ball linebackers on that play. Yeah. Or big guys in general, guys with numbers in the 90s. One comes scot-free on a blitz. And it's a good thing Kittle is there because Kittle has to hit an Take unblocked 300-pound blitzer to give Purdy time to hit McCaffrey on that play. McCaffrey's open. He burns yeah. Logan Ryan. It's a touchdown. Again, in structure. But there were a couple plays in this game. There's one where he evades pressure and finds Kittle for a chunk in the first quarter. There was that one play where he did the swim move yeah. on with a defensive tackle and then found Debo Samuel out of <laughs> in structure. In between three guys. <laughs> In this game, he was 7 of 8 for 109 when pressured. That type of stuff is probably going to come back to earth. Yeah. I mean, that's there's really very back. difficult to rely on that stuff, play in and play out over the course of a game. He had a bad interception in this game that was called back for, I believe, a defensive holding that was completely unrelated to the interception that he threw. Yeah. So we'll see what happens over a long stretch of time. But it's definitely a good first entry into how good can the Niners yeah. be and how far can they go with Brock Purdy as their quarterback? If he can do all the instructor stuff, which is well enough, they have so, they have so much juice on this offense. It's like these guys are just rolling. The the Debo touchdown had the little design stuff. CMC's the lone receiver, and and they motion Ayuk and clear out the entire side. So like the run game is still a Shanahan run game, doing some really fun stuff. Um, you want McCaffrey, to talk about- 19, 14 carries for 119 today. They. They ran more times than they passed, and that's because they can do that. That's where that 20, being in 21 personnel, this is the perfect defense to go against, too. I always talk about with the Bulls defense, you want to get them to base, and they're trying to, they're making them be uncomfortable because Bulls wants to get to his pressure stuff out of sub. Um, but just like some of these rods, man, like they, they had like a split zone with juice check in motion and then Kittle sliding across. It was so split zone. They did that twice. Yeah, it's like a double lead. Yeah. It's awesome. I was trying to – I didn't know how to characterize it jet, in my notes, so I was wondering what you would talk – how jet, you would say it. Jet out split zone. So you jet with the kick out block with a split zone. That's how I would call it. Like it turns basically into a counter play. Like that's kind of how it ends but up. But they ran it out of pistol, so there was yeah. no counter step. It just no. – it looks really weird in practice yep. and it, it's, it's just it's one of those great. things where there are four or five plays in this game. Only the Niners are going to run. Yeah. Only the Niners are going and, to try. And we talk about like plays like duo or, or like I talk about it all the time, but like receiver blocking and how they have to fit up. And you watch this Bucks offense, you know, it's Chris Godwin. You watch Packers, you know, with um, Lazard. And these guys are fitting up on safety, CD Lamb. And then you watch what the Jets do this a little bit too, oh, Shanahan type offenses. Watch how many times the 49ers ask their receivers to pin a D end so they can get outside to the weak side. And it was Ayuka bunch today. This guy's a first-round pick not, who's super skilled. 
And that's not the guy that you would expect to do that. Oh, okay. It's no. not the great, it's not Jennings. He's not a dirty work guy. No, he's not. If Jennings was in there, it's like, oh, okay, that makes a ton of sense. That's their dirty work guy. But the fact that they're having their star yak guy and he's setting picks on DNs and getting plays out in space, that, that's how you get Trent Williams pulling. And that's just an awesome counter. This is what the Falcons do really well. They'll hit this play as well, but they have guys insert name here doing it you know like they have they don't have they have drake london doing it a couple times but they have other guys doing it so that's what's really cool they the you remember that this is a shanahan run game but the other thing was brock purdy didn't hit the nick mullins first start numbers nick mullins in his first start 16 to 22 262 three touchdowns against the raiders so didn't hit didn't hit mullins numbers i'm glad you brought this up okay because i think it's important to bring context to this before we move on Brock Purdy, I do not. I think that Jimmy Garoppolo is important to the level of success we've seen from the Niners passing game over the last three or four years. I mean, there are people online talking to me about this today, and I wanted to bring it up. I don't think that this is a quarterback free offense. I don't think you can just drop in anybody you want to and have the Niners put forth the same sort of success Absolutely they've had not. with Jimmy Garoppolo. That that would be an insane thing to think. Like Jimmy Garoppolo has been one of the most efficient quarterbacks in the league with Kyle Shanahan. But how much better they make the quarterbacks that you drop in here. The fact that Nick Mullins is 33rd in EPA per dropback among pretty much all quarterbacks with 100 attempts over the last three or four That's years. And he's bounced around between practice squads or whatever. Yep. He was a at least average NFL quarterback within this offense. And I think that Brock Purdy can be better than Nick Mullins was. And I also think that this is the best set of weapons the 49ers have yes. ever had. Yes. The, the Niners offense has never had this amount of threats Absolutely. in the passing game. Think about that McCaffrey touchdown. That McCaffrey touchdown is on the table because it's Christian McCaffrey. Right. And what they can do with those five guys out in the route changes because Christian McCaffrey is there. And I do think that the set of weapons they now have is even more prone to lift up their quarterback. Jimmy Garoppolo was putting together the best statistical season, according to advanced numbers, that he had ever had under Kyle Shanahan this year. So I think it's reasonable to conclude that Brock Purdy can be the best other quarterback that we have ever seen within this Niners ecosystem since Kyle Shanahan got there. Does that change with Debo Samuel missing time? Perhaps. But it's a high ankle sprain. They have pretty much already won the division. Our Austin Mox says they have a 94% chance to win the NFC West after that Seahawks loss today. So if Debo can get back by the playoffs and they're full strength or something close to full strength with all of those weapons, I still think that they're dangerous even with Brock Purdy just because of how much faith I have in the pass catchers and how much faith I have in the guy pulling the trigger. Absolutely. And by that, I mean Kyle Shanahan, not the quarterback. Yeah. no, (laughs) Yes. The the puppet master. That's the thing. This defense is insane and it's not yeah, like this, and that, that goes without saying yes and it's not like you watch this defense and you go oh well you can run on them so if you control the clock and you know it's like no the defense shred anybody <laughs> especially if you have the poor old line so that's like so you take that worry out and then purdy does actually you know the old line's not great but you have still have a shanahan run game uh they don't tap into the play action as much as they have in before like that's the other thing they uh, there's a little uptick with purdy I'm trying to trying to find this right now, but there's a little uptick with Purdy. But if they look, okay, right here, this was the low the lowest percentage that Jimmy G has used play action was this season. So if you just true media stats, 29 percent of his early down plays were play action. So usually it's about where does that 40, rank in the league? Uh, that's about league average. It's so about okay. league average. 
um, a little bit above. But usually he was his career percentage, including this year, is 37%. So there's a downtick. Purdy so far has only used about 29% play action. They're not just going easy button, easy button, easy button, easy button for him. They're still doing the dropback stuff that this 49ers offense has tweaked into, and they still have I that room. I think the easy button stuff is the five guys out in that's the That's what stuff. I mean. That's, that's the, the easy hard, button stuff within this offense. You know what's the hardest offense. shit to defend on defense is that. When all five guys are valid weapons, that is impossible to defend. It's a motion offense, except in, in, in football. Like That's the thing. Play action – the, the downside of play action is sometimes you only get two guys out in routes and the, plus the check down. So we'll call it two and a half guys or it's a half field read. Five guys with empty makes every part of the offense available or the field available for the offense to attack. That is so much harder. That's why I talk about and why I even brought up that that hurts Mahomes, the true dropback percentage. That's the, that's why a true dropback offense that you can do well is the hardest thing because you always have to defend every area. You can't just go, well, we'll just run cover two over here. We'll cloud this side. They can't throw it over there. That's why it's so tough. But the fact that the 49ers can tap into that now is really, really scary. And that's why I think that this is the the best situation this offense has been in independent of who the quarterback is. And I think yeah. that the ceiling is obviously higher with Jimmy, with Jimmy Garoppolo. Right. But I also think the expectation should be higher with whoever you drop in there. Yep. I mean, if it happens to be Brock Highest Purdy, floor. it's Brock Purdy. Yep. Yeah. And it, it goes beyond floor, though. Yeah, right. I'm just, trying to think of a good way to put it because I'm trying to It's the multiplier. The multiplier yeah. is higher than it has ever been within the Niners' offense, right? So if you're looking at the good that, that's what gooder. this is, <laughs> yeah, the, and you make it's the multiplier you put on the quarterback. Yeah, that's what this is. It's yeah. not that you get the same level of results no matter who the quarterback is. It's that if you put Jimmy Garoppolo in the Shanahan offense compared to anything else, he's 1.7 times better right. than he would be with any other play caller. That's exactly so Brock right. Purdy within this offense is 1.7 times better than he's going to be. And That's maybe that number was 1.3 in a world where Brandon Ayuk wasn't like a star level player. They yep. didn't have Christian McCaffrey, all of these other considerations that weren't in place over the last few years. That's how I feel about it. It. That's it's like out it. in high school football, if you're a private school in Illinois, this is how it is at least. And you, if you're a private school, you have a multiplier for your student body in order to like determine what division that you're in. So that's kind of what it feels like now is that they have a multiplier for the Niners offense because of Kyle Shanahan. That's funny. Yeah, it's like an RPG. They got the Shanahan shield that, that, that like <laughs> increases everything. But I love that. You go with the high, Illinois high school, high school football, and I went with like a Zelda reference or something like that. It sounds right. That's where we're both <laughs> right? at. Exactly. So I, the Debo Debo injury definitely something to take yeah, into consideration absolutely. here because if hopefully this is just a, a three or four weeks thing. I hope they shut him down. If this is really if it's ninety four percent, ninety four percent, just shut him down because yeah. with these high that's ankles, that's a, the biggest concern a four is that they linger injury. and he's a shell of himself. Like yep. that's the last thing that we want. So hopefully he can get back healthy and we can see what these guys do. The last thing I wanted to say that Ayuk touchdown. I can't remember if it was on the same drive, but it was in the same half. They hit a deep curl to him earlier on that, I believe, the same yeah. drive. And then the touchdown is he f- fakes the deep curl and then runs double move for a touchdown. It's like, I fucking love Kyle Shanahan. Dude, the CMC just, touchdown linked. was sluggo. Like, they're running goes and sluggos on the outside. They're just, I mean. Because that's what Logan Ryan thought it was going to be a sluggo. He yeah. sat there playing. Or the, he thought it was going to be a slant. Yeah. He, he sat there playing the inbreaker, knew it was coming. And He's instead, heavy it's like. inside. It, it was almost like a fake slogan. He like barely moved inside yeah. before he ran the go. And that's all like, he had to do. It was just selling the stutter step. And it was like, that's all they needed. All right. Next one. Detroit Lions and your yeah. playoff odds. You have my attention. What wow. a game. It was I, a fun game. So there's a lot to dig into with this game because 
I was actually very impressed with the Vikings on offense. Yeah. Like I, I well, we can talk about that in a second. I, I was blown away by some of the plays that they made offensively, but the Vikings again, or excuse me, the Lions again, come up with a big win. Yep. Our Austin Mock at the Athletic has them with a 36% chance to make the playoffs now. And if you're stacking it up right now, I mean, they just beat the Vikings by two scores in a game yep. that they were favored. How many teams in the NFC are definitively better than the Lions right now, today? Three. That's say, probably right. I say three. Eagles, Cowboys, 49ers. Yeah, who the, else would it be? Right? And then you get to the, now you get to the other the Bucks, other realm. Washington, mm-hmm. the Giants, the oh. Seahawks, all these other teams that are yeah. in the playoffs or on the brink of making the playoffs. I the Lions are favored against all of those teams right now, I think. Yeah. If they're favored on the Vikings, they're favored on those teams, I think. Like, <laughs> you know, that's at least neutral if it's minus two and a half. But no, it's they're playing really really good football right now. Like in the fact that they're getting a pass rush now on defense, that, that's, huge. That can actually, that's huge for this team. Just so they can just get off the field. Aiden Hutchinson ruined that drive. I mean, they, he, he forced the this field goal on two game. back-to-back yeah. plays by himself yeah. uh, on that drive in the second half. He got a sack uh, against Brian O'Neill with like a nasty little move. Yeah. And then they sent him on a stun <laughs> on the next <laughs> play. A good player. That's and a, Brian really a good player. That's not some beating up on some Spencer Brown or something like that. <laughs> and that's what you're seeing is that, okay, you're getting that sort of play out of Aiden Hutchinson when he was kind of a zero for the first month of the season. Yep. Rookie happens. Just whatever. There. Yeah. Uh, I can never remember his name. Houston, like their situational pass rusher that they have yeah. right now that just came back. That was, that was out for most of the year. <laughs> that guy has like <laughs> crazy bend. He's made some real plays. What's his real name? Plays. Uh, 50 something. Where is he? Stand by. This is great. James, this is James, good Houston. Podcasting. James Houston. James Houston. All right. A six so round pick. He, he has made some real plays. Like, I have been very impressed with some of the stuff that he has done. Malcolm Rodriguez had a great play today on a fourth yeah. and short. Uh, they've gotten a decent amount One of out few of few uh, hard knocks hype guys that actually lives up to his billing. Yes. Like he's actually a good player. Like that's the thing. Most of those guys are like all fun stories. And then you realize why they're a fun story. <laughs> but he's actually like a good player. They've got Jerry, they got Jerry Jacobs back. Jerry, I loved Jerry Jacobs last year. Street free agent was r- really flash for them last season. He was hurt for a huge chunk of this year. He's back now. So this off this defense has definitely been lifted. Even though the Vikings played fantastic on offense today, if you look at the numbers, but so the defense has been better to a point where they're now functional and mm-hmm. they don't just get rolled over for most of these games. They're able to make a stop here and there. I guess yes. is what I would say. That's, okay, there you go. that's that is very important. The offense today. Jared Goff had the second highest EPA per dropback in the league today. He was 27 to 39 for 330 yards and three touchdowns. And it felt like that. And then the little edges they created for themselves today. That fake punt swings the game. It's it's fourth and seven. Inside their own 30. It's fourth and seven inside their own 30. They're up 14 to seven with 13 minutes left in the third quarter. Yep. And they run a fake punt. And go down and score a touchdown to make it twenty-one that's, to seven. That's playing to win and not not to lose. That, that's, I love it. I, I absolutely love it. I loved it so much. Uh, that's that's the thing. Why they do? Uh, Dan Campbell's been tremendously aggressive on fourth down. Like uh, the Patriots, most aggressive game, fourth down team in the NFL. Okay, it, it's if, <laughs> and it's just every game doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how the game script's going. The Patriots game where they were getting their teeth kicked in. I think they went for on fourth down like five or six times. Like he's, he's sticking to it. That's, that's what you're supposed to do when you go for on fourth down. You're not supposed to have and flow. You're supposed to stick to it because over time 
It's a good thing. They went for um, it on the, their first drive of the game today, I believe. And they had it on the 40 yard line. They didn't get it. And guess what? They don't give a shit. And they're still doing a fake punt and coming out yeah. in the second half. It's awesome. But they are doing this is what getting these receivers back to is, of course, the offensive line's awesome. They're, they had a couple, their run games so much fun, like week in, week out. It's just they, what they did to the Jaguars uh, last week or a couple weeks ago, or last week, last week, whatever week it was. Last week. It was last, last week. Was, was a snuff film. Like it, it was actually, it was, it was Jonah Jackson and, 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 and Ragnow were pushing this poor de- defense tackle like three gaps over. It was, it was bad, but it was, it was, that's what this Lions offensive line is going to keep them so many games because they're going to keep the pocket clean. And then now you got receivers making plays. Now and just Amon Ross St. Brown, who is, I mean, just such a good player, but DJ Chark, they're running 989. To DJ Chark. That 989, I'll always say this. That is, we have a better players than you do kind of play. And that's what it looked like today when they have DJ Chark dunking on guys. The Jameson Williams TD was great design. We that talk about the, the play action stuff. The basic play action concept is an over and a post. That is a two-man concept. Typical hard, heavy play action is a two-man concept. So they all they did was just that they overstop. You see, the Rams used to do this a ton with Cup, but over and stop right at the hash and it messed with the Vikings' rules because the safety. The post safety just drives down on it. Yes, it drives on the over. It's That's right in front rules. of him. He almost has no choice. He has to because otherwise they're hitting over and he's in no man's land and it's a 20 yard gain right in front of his face. And then the coach is going, What the hell are you doing there? And, but because the stop, Josh Reynolds' stop comes right on the hitch or right on the hash, Patrick Peterson can't slingshot to the post. Yep. So it's, it's just a double. Oh, just great design. That was such a good changeup. When I talk about changeups, that was one of the perfect kind of changeups. And it goes for a touchdown, not like a seven yard gain that I go gaga over. So it's, it's, they could do stuff like that. They're getting their personnel usage is really cool. They like, gets the Giants there in 21 personnel or pony personnel like 20 something times. They went away for it for two weeks. And then this game, they tap back into it because the Vikings have some weaknesses against that. So Ben Johnson's doing an awesome job. The offensive line does a great job and Jared Goff's playing good football. It's a, it's a really fun unit with, and we haven't even talked about the Sewell catch yet. <laughs> I want to say there was a motion on the Williams touchdown that pull. Oh, excuse me. That's not what it was. It, it was a play action fake. And the other oh, safety, safety who is down. in the run fit flies down. Yeah. So it's it which that really clears up the picture, right? Yep. So Goff is now sitting there, he knows it's single He's high because the that safety. other safety's flying down. down. He only has one guy to read and it's an easy touchdown. I was yep. like, I wonder the other safety flew down and I couldn't oh remember God. why. And then you can and tell he goes, Oh shit, thing. because he didn't yeah. know who to cover. He was like, Ah, yes. uh, dang. You're it. just sitting there. <laughs> yeah. It was it was rough. It's like a doc's so own beautiful. <laughs> there was there were two more plays that I just play design outside of the school catch that I think were beautiful. There was a well few. They handed the ball off to Amon Ross St. Brown on a third Great. one with him offset in the backfield, which was yep. gorgeous. Yep. They it was just the timing that they have on some of the stuff and the spacing. They just are so clearly so well coached. Yep. He had one where it's just like little zone beater where he almost like runs a wheel and then cuts it back underneath against zone coverage. That's just like perfectly spaced. It's a little high low that he hit Brown on St. Brown on again. And then the touchdown to Reynolds is just gorgeous. It's like a big, so Reynolds is in the slot on the right. They run a big fake toss and all Jared Goff has to do is turn around and Reynolds is just running like a quick in breaker. That's it. And it's an easy touchdown. Yep. And they're the best red zone team in the league. They're, they have the best red zone, red zone efficiency awesome. in the NFL. Yes. And you will see, we see stuff like that that's just easy and it's not surprising. Yep. So you get a couple goal balls, a couple chunk in breakers off play action, a couple 
high leverage little designers that they had yep. and you have that sort of impact and that sort of re- results that you saw today and then they ran a 340 pound right tackle in motion and threw him the ball to seal the game it was awesome it was i went nuts when i saw it because i had it on my game or my sunday ticket on my xbox and so it hit before red zone channel showed it so i was just going nuts i'm like oh i cannot wait to see twitter right now because i know how many we all have the red zone channel on and oh my god but that again was we're talking about the red their red zone designs are awesome because their run game in the red zone is always really unique really unique way to go i i speak and write english for a living and so but they like so every week their run game is always great their play action stuff in the red zone how many like Wide open tight tight end touchdowns you'll see in the red zone yeah. shows good design. Their short yard stuff's really good. But then that Sewell catch was so awesome is the Lions have used jumbo personnel at a top 10 rate. So six offensive linemen and some configuration in the entire NFL, they're in the top 10. So on that drive, that was the third time in a row that they were in 11 jumbo. So Sewell was the extra tight end, but then they had three wide receivers and then they went 11 jumbo run. I think it won't frag no yards, 11 jumbo run, like two yards or three yards. And then they did it again. Same motion, same everything. Play action passes Sewell, who's 340 pounds and runs like he's about 220, like, and, and sticky hands. That dude is 22 years old and he's playing it's like, insane. he's going to be insane. He's, 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 he's already, he's already one of the best offensive already, linemen in the oh, league. Yeah. I vote him for first team all pro right now. Like, uh, like I, I wouldn't, for at least second team, but he's on there and he's 22. He just turned 22 in October. And that was such a fun knuckleball. And it was just, it, it, it was awesome. awesome. It was so sweet. It was so, so cool. So all of this gushing about the lions, <laughs> the Vikings are in this game. Yeah. I mean, the Vikings got Came some back. bad breaks in this game. Okay. Yeah. They get stuffed on a fourth and one on their first drive. The Dalvin Cook fumble on the pop pass oh inside the five. That's a game swinging play. Yeah. That happens there. They that's had so a, Whoever they designed thir- that one must have been so sick. They just must have been like, no, no. <laughs> Early in the second quarter, third and nine, Hawkinson drops a ball on the right sideline. Okay. There's another third down catch, I believe, late in the first half or early in the second half, where he hits Justin Jefferson and jo- Jefferson rolls back in front of the sticks. So it's yep. fourth and one and they have to punt. The Vikings in this game were fantastic offensively. Yep. Like, this is. One of the better games I think I've ever seen Kirk Cousins play. He was on fire. He, he had five or six throws in this game where I was like, holy shit. I mean, just absolutely. I'm trying to f- find them in my notes. I mean, just ripping balls left and right. He had a, a third and six bullet to Justin Jefferson uh, against man coverage that was on the same drive on, as a dime to uh, TJ Hawkinson on third down on a corner yep. route. He followed that with like a laser to Jefferson on a little corner out down near the You can just keep line. saying Jefferson. He went for 223 today. <laughs> he, was, he was unbelievable. I mean, he was absolutely unbelievable. The, the Cousins-Jefferson connection in this game was insanely good. Yeah. And they, they lost because of a couple key moments. The, Vic, the Lions playing fantastic offensively. Yeah. The Lions creating a couple edges in this game by going forward on fourth down, whatever. And I think the key thing to take into mind to take into account as we think about the Vikings and moving forward especially 29% rushing success rate since they're by and they it's were been, very bad on the ground against it's been bad it's been really bad so they let me I'm curious what the actual numbers were cuz i mean they 
Dalvin Cooks. They're especially out of like twenty yards been, rushing in this game. They've been so porous uh, out of eleven personnel run, which which was fifteen supposed to be for twenty three. 15 carries for 23 yards for Dalvin Cook today. Yeah. And so since they're by, they've had one of the longest five yards. 29th in rushing success rate since the bye. They are 32nd in the percentage of their rushes that have gone for zero or negative yardage since their bye. It had tipped Alex, Alec Lewis, who covers the Vikings for us. Yeah. He tweeted out something similar and made me look at it. So that is the one thing where if you're looking at a real weakness for what they were offensively today, that's it. Cousins and Jefferson were fantastic. That Jefferson play where they end up scoring. Uh, to cut it to one score game. Yeah. Jefferson was in bounds. Like that should have been like a 50 yard touchdown by him. An insane catch on that second down. So they, those two were fantastic today, but yeah. still not enough to keep pace with Alliance team that is really rolling right now. Yeah. And that's what having, I mean, like you said, the Hawkinson had the drop and Theon had some kind of good plays, but he also kind of had some like, ah, uh, like frustrating plays a little bit. But that's, that's the thing with Justin Jefferson. That one play that you brought up, the third down that he rolled in front of the sticks. The route he put on Akuda on that play huh. was like, I I have it saved. I haven't tweeted it yet because I didn't want people going like, oh, it was short because it's just it was so it was a disgusting route. But he just basically breaks him off twice on it. But that's the thing is like that's that's the extent of the offense is that you're you're of course you're living and dying with Justin Jefferson and some cool red zone designs. But it's like as far as easy buttons in this offense, the easy buttons is supposed to be the run game, and they haven't fixed it. They haven't found. I thought that maybe against the Patriots, especially, they were getting to some of those 12 personnel stuff and some no huddle, some hanging huddle kind of stuff. And I was like, okay, this is making it easier on yourselves. But it's kind of weekly, they just are not getting to it like what I was hoping to get to, after, especially after the Hawkinson trade. All right. So let's talk about how this game and some of the other results today affect the NFC playoff picture. So we just said that the Lions now have like a third, like a 33% chance essentially to make the playoffs after that win. Bet them last week. Make the playoffs. The Seahawks. So <laughs> After losing to Carolina today, of course they did. Austin, they are out of the playoffs right now. Seattle is, as things currently stand, because Washington was on a bye, even with the Giants' loss. Austin still has them with a 64.5% okay. chance to make the postseason, even at seven and six. Their remaining schedule at the Niners, at the Chiefs, Jets, Rams. I don't know, man. That seems like either. a pretty brutal stretch. That's it, really the, rough. So the Lions next week. Play the Jets. Yes. At the Jets. Okay. If the Lions beat the Jets and the Seahawks lose to the Niners, which seems more than reasonable, and they're both sitting at seven and seven, then we got Carolina, Chicago, Green Bay for the Lions, Chiefs, Jets, Rams for the Seahawks. That's a little that's pretty tough. And then you'd assume that Washington or the Giants one of them gets knocked out because they play each other next week. So I think the Lions have like a real shot at this with the way that they're playing right now. I think so too. They just feel so complete. Like even if, I don't know. I, I like I like how they're sitting right now. So the Lions, Lions go Jets. I mean. That, that, Jets, that Jets game is, it, that, that's it. That's like it. If they win that Jets game, I think they probably get in. Yeah, at this at this stage, I think just, they probably get in if they win that. Only thing is that's an AFC game, so kind of like all the tiebreaker stuff. So kind of like is not as as uh, heavy. But yeah, no, it's that's a that's a awesome game. Like Lions Jets is going to oh, be yeah. a super sweet game to, to have circled. But I I'm really liking what the Lions team's doing. I mean, honestly, like I feel so much better about them than like I said. I would think I have them as the fourth probably best NFC team right now. And that's how I just kind of like feel about them. Like fourth, yeah, fourth. 
Uh, and that's I, I, they deserve to play in the play. They're playing playoff ball right now. We talk it's about a noon we'll, game. Is it? Yeah, that's brutal. It's a noon game. We got to do something about this. Somebody's got to step in here from the league. <laughs> Just a second. I, second I, I, do not, I don't support that. Get Chris Berman so, going. Get him on color commentary. You do a second Sunday night game or Monday night. <laughs> so the Seahawks, you know, lose a couple here with the Lions going on a run. They fall out of the playoffs. But independent of the long-term outlook, not a great day today. No. I mean, so Seattle just gets absolutely run on this entire game. They, the Panthers faced eight men in the box on 54% of their carries today, which is one of the highest rates in the league. They still had a 54% rushing success rate, which was the fourth highest of the week and the fourth highest EPA per rush of any team in the league this week. Despite the Seahawks being like, we're going to put a ton of bodies in the box. Yeah. You guys were hurt. Al Woods, you know, obviously that stuff matters, but still think a really important data point for the Seahawks defense to not be able to slow down Carolina in this game when all they wanted to do was run the ball. And then if Gino makes one or two mistakes like he did today, they just aren't set up and aren't as complete as they need to be to overcome something like that. Yeah. And the, the, as I've been really liking what the Seahawks offense is doing and how Gino's playing, of course. Um, and really it's real. Like I want to assure people that what Gino's yeah. doing is very, very real. Uh, but that defense, and I've noticed this with some other kind of, Fangio defensive like DNA, which the Seahawks have been doing a little bit, is that especially when you get into heavier personnel, twenty one or twelve, is you can just pound the freaking rock on them. And they this got exposed against the Raiders a couple of weeks ago against the Seahawks defense. But same right now, the Seahawks defense are bottom ten in success rate uh, against the run and twenty fifth in overall success rate against bully ball against twenty one twelve pro personnel. And twenty fourth is that Raiders defense that we've kind of people have been like, eh, they're not great. That's what the Seahawks defense that kind of is happening to them. So as, as much as it's for them to be feel good about a playoff team, they have to figure this out. But the last couple of weeks, they have it. They had a nice month and then the film gets put back out. Okay. Those were your adjustments. Okay. Now we're going to adjust to those adjustments. And can they take that next step? I do think this offense is playoff caliber, but the defense is just kind of holding them back. I think I'd rather see the lions in there. I just, I just, oh, would. I would too. I do it. I, that's where I'm at right now. So I would too. My, we'll see what I happens over I the next I want the best weeks. teams in the playoffs, and the Lions deserve to be in there. They are playing playoff football. That's my my summary. <laughs> so one more team in the NFC playoff race that we want to talk about real quick. Weird game for the Cowboys today. Yeah. I mean, they end up pulling it out against the Texans. I, I went back and, and rewatched a good chunk of this, and it did feel like one of those games where just everything goes wrong. That's Huge muff punt. Yeah. Kelvin Joseph allows a huge uh, completion to to Chris Moore down the sideline. Tipped ball interception from Dak that went through Noah Brown's hands. Yep. Dalton Schultz drops a touchdown that forces them to kick a field goal. They're stuffed on fourth and goal. Terrence Steele goes down in this game, and Dak oh. gets sack fumbled almost immediately by by Josh Ball. And then the pressure that Dak threw from the red from his own end zone was again around the right tackle after yep. they lost Terrence Steele. Yep. So. I still feel just fine about the Cowboys. I think that if they lose steel for any stretch of time, that's huge. Even yeah. with potentially, you know, what the left side of their offensive line can look like with Tyron Smith, losing their starting right tackle at this stage of the proceedings would be a huge deal. And not having Anthony Brown, if that ends up becoming any sort of long-term thing, Kelvin Joseph is not ready for prime time. And I think that we've yeah. realized that. No, I nailed it on the head that the Terrence Steele injury is, is pretty pretty scary for them especially like how he was playing i mean he had a couple of really nice blocks today too um but like this defense really felt like 
they were sleepwalking, especially in the first half. They uh, they they were okay, just not hitting their gaps and not tackling. This defense is you can run on this Cowboys defense. They have been good, but you can get after them if you just hit them right. And because they could sometimes, you know, Demarcus Lawrence has been outstanding this year. He'll go rogue. He has a lot of better bees. You know, you better be right. And we saw a couple times today. There's a third and two in the red zone that uh, before the Texans' first touchdown, Pierce converts on it. There's nobody in the B gap because two guys just went rogue on it. You saw a couple times today, this is why Jeff Driscoll was playing, is that zone runs or, or sorry, zone read type plays, you can get the Cowboys defense a little bit because they're so hair on fire. We're going to find the ball, get the ball, get the ball, get the ball, like, you know, dog chasing a car. And I think that happened a couple times today. It was where Driscoll got a couple nice runs on them. They're not, I think historically I looked it up, like the Cowboys are decent against defending the run, but that just kind of speaks to the gap soundness. And the, te- the Texans hit a couple, like, the late extended play touchdown to Amari Rodgers, the go ball to Nico Collins. Like, it's kind of like, okay, you know, you just got to kind of have to live with that. And usually our offense is going to sustain. The offense still had nine explosive plays. Their success rate was almost at 50%. There's still devastating running the ball. It was just some of those, you know, bad plays that kind of the fourth and one or the fourth and goal. The Cowboys are a top five team in uh, power success rate. So it's like, that's just, it happens. But they're still really good at it, and they got one later because Dak was a, like a monster on it. But the Terrence Steele injury is going to be something of, something of a concern, but still feel pretty good about the Cowboys. So Jason Peters went in there late in that game, and it, by all accounts, it sounds like he played better than Josh Ball did, and we'll Probably, see if he's so. the answer that, for them at right tackle, which if Jason Peters can just go in and play right tackle and be serviceable for them, That's nice. just put one more notch on his Hall of Fame plaque, my friend. Because uh, that is so, pretty damn impressive at this age, switching sides after playing left tackle your entire life. A little different than uh, stepping in for the Chicago, the 2021 Chicago Bears. <laughs> uh, the 2020 <laughs> Chicago the Bears were a great team, and I don't want to hear about that. All right. We're going to take one more quick break, and then we're going <laughs> to dig into the AFC playoff picture before we get out of here. All right, so let's dig through the AFC playoff picture here a little bit, some of the really important outcomes from today. After losing to the Bills today, the Jets are now out of the AFC playoffs as it currently stands. Austin Mock has them with a 35.6% chance to make the playoffs. Wow. So if, if they lose to Detroit next week, uh, this is a bad situation. I had two, maybe three takeaways from this game after rewatching it. First... Mike White is an unbelievably tough dude. Oh my god. Like, unbelievably yeah. tough. Yeah. I I don't think I can remember a straight on quarterback shot as hard as the one he took and came back from. He looked like he a got folded in half. Yeah. Yeah. It was bad. Straight on. Well, head of steam. Like clean hit too. Those are what those are the worst ones. Everyone always thinks blind side blind side hits are the worst. No, straight on helmet and sternum are the worst. The oh, that had to hurt so bad. I mean, he comes back, which is absolutely remarkable. And I actually thought that Mike White was pretty impressive for he stretches today. Like he made a handful of throws where I was like, man, like that guy can really rip it and, rip and it. several. That, that kind of make you sat up in your chair. And if he doesn't go out in that situation, so he goes out after that hit, and I believe Mike Remmers came in at right tackle on the exact same play for George Fan. Immediately after that happens, Joe Flacco gets strip sacked. 
in jet in jets in jets territory and gives right. Bills the ball back. And if that doesn't happen, I mean, this game was already pretty close, and I think it gets a lot closer because one of my other takeaways from this game is I'm worried about the Bills' offense a little bit. Like I think the Jets are a bad matchup for them. The yep. Jets are better for them up front. Quinn Williams had a disgusting like bull pull oh sack today before he got hurt. That was just absolutely nasty. And you know Bryce Huff had a couple nice moments again as a pass rusher, but they didn't have consistent offense again against this Jets defense. They had one chunk completion to Stephon Diggs, and other than that, it was a lot of Josh Allen scrambles, especially in high leverage situations. And that's really all they could rely on. I mean, he finished this game with 147 passing yards and 47 rushing yards. Yeah, and that's just not a good recipe, man. Nope. That's how that's how you always know they're struggling is how many design rushes does Josh Allen have? Like that's how you know the game script is going for the Bills. And it's it's a team, this Bills team, it's kind of there's so much that we talk about the offense, but we gotta again appreciate what this defense does. They, you know, they're fourth in DVOA, top ten EPA per play. They have Trey White back, even though they lost Von Miller. It's like they it's so funny with these teams, it's just as you feel good about them, somebody gets hurt. Just always something like that. But I'm watching this Bills. Russo team. had a couple nice moments today. As you talk about guys stepping up, he had a they, couple big moments today. And but like you watch this team, and then you get including and, that force fumble. You talk about these. It, it's sorry for me. It's just I'm just thinking of Spencer Brown because yeah, you watch this Bills team, and you're like, I, I can't feel good about an offense that has a right tackle that's literally every play. You don't know what you're getting. You don't know how clean it's going to be, and that's why going into this week. I had the stat like post buy and before the buy or maybe the last six weeks was Josh Allen is now attempts outside the pocket and attempts are taking three seconds or longer is basically doubled. And you can probably chalk that up to him just going, I don't trust anything that's going on here. Third and 15, he looked to scramble. And it's like, yes, Josh Allen's scrambling is one of the most devastating things in the game. Him out of empty is really devastating, but it's kind of like they're running out of tricks in their bag a little bit. Like yeah. they, they, they'll run mesh. And then they love running mesh return, which is the crossers fake like they're running towards each other, and then they return back. They love doing it with Stephon Dix. That's how they it was that they, how they got the big chunk today, I think. It is. And yeah. later in the game, they did normal mesh and Stefan Dix faked the fake mesh, you know, mesh return. Like he kind of like stopped stopped like he was gonna go back and then kept going across. And I think Josh Allen had to scramble on the play. But then it's like if you're running fake return, like all you got is that, like, I don't know what else they got in their back. Like what else they're, it feels like all their like little short stuff to the outs, like that they used to just pepper all the time or just not there. Any of their teams are clouding Especially that against side. this team. Oh yeah. I mean, they're smoking them. Uh, it, it was, they couldn't get anything going. The bills at the end, it seemed like they're okay. with running out the clock in the second half. 20% of their snaps are in jumbo personnel. That is not the attacking bills that I, I I've talked about I want this Bills team to adjust, and I think they have some throughout this season to be more sustainable without just, hey, Josh Allen, be Josh Allen. But it's like it seemed like this game was like, let's just get out of this. Like It's not going well. So early in the early in the third quarter, middle of the third quarter, like jumbo, jumbo, jumbo. Let's just get these three, four yards. They had a couple of nice runs. But to me, it's just kind of like there was one of those where like, this isn't going well. Let's get out of here with a win. And, and that's different than really how this Bills offense, especially this Bills team, felt maybe the first six weeks of the season. If the Jets miss the playoffs, it's a huge bummer for Jets fans that were yeah. really hoping the drought would end. And the other reason it's a huge bummer is that I'm bullish on the core of players that the Jets have assembled. Absolutely. You, know, you look at their early round picks that they've had and what those guys are going to be. Sauce is obviously a hit. Quentin Williams, had a breakout season, he's played fantastic. Okay. 
they have other young pieces. Garrett Wilson just that guy's real. Like yeah. he just plays and moves differently. That guy is going to be a star. I have no questions about yep. that. The offensive line will be healthier, hopefully moving forward compared to what it's been like this year as they've had to rotate guys in and out the entire season. The offense, hopefully we'll see what happens to quarterback. You know, they'll get better, more consistent quarterback play moving forward. You would hope than they have gotten over the last couple of years. And with Mike White getting hurt again, they're just, they haven't been able to rely on that position. Defensively, even if you're thrilled about Quinn and Williams and Sauce and some of the younger pass rushers that they have, it's never going to look like this group again. And when you have a unit that's so fun and so good and kind of sneaks up on you, you hope that you kind of catch that lightning in a bottle and can yes. ride it pretty far. And if that doesn't happen, that's where the letdown comes. Because right. I'm sure they'll be fine. Saul's a really good coach. They have a lot of really good talent. But like, for example, Quincy Williams is a free agent. Okay, Sheldon Rankins is a free agent. He's been yep. really good for them as a rotational guy this year. LaMarcus Joyner is a free agent. They will probably be able to replace those guys, and I'm sure they will be fine. But defense is weird. It is. You're never guaranteed to catch that the way that you did for one or two years. You don't know who boosts who else. Like you, you yep. do, but you don't. It's all bets. You're like, oh, we'll just this guy's eighty percent as good, and maybe he can do that same role. And it turns out, oh uh, shit, he's like thirty percent as good, <laughs> and he can't do that same role. You never know on defense. And so that's why it's frustrating when you have this sort of defensive year where you're a borderline top five unit, and you have these young guys coming on. It's never as simple as, well, we did this this year, so we're going to build on that and just continue to get better. But I think that it's hard to come away from this season, even with that in mind, not being enthusiastic about where yeah. the Jets are and how they've built this thing. So we'll see team. what happens if they if they do make the playoffs, but yeah. if they fall short, I imagine how brutal that would be as a Jets fan. Yeah, because the door is more open, I think, than, than I think a lot of us realize, especially in this AFC. And I don't know. This defense is really fun. It's a fun team. You brought up Garrett Wilson. They just have a lot of fun players. And yeah, no, I agree. Like It is kind of lightning in the ball with these defenses, so you hope there's not as much drop-off. All right. Jags beat the Titans today, 36-22. to what a just a hell of a game by Trevor Lawrence. Oh yeah. I mean, just just a hell of a game by Trevor Lawrence. I, yeah. Some we talked about Justin Herbert earlier today. Similar kind of idea with Lawrence maneuvering and manipulating the pocket at his size. And the ability to do that and make those kind of out of structure plays when you're six six. Yeah. It is there just aren't that many guys we've ever seen who can do it like those two guys can do it. And when he's making those plays and just having that creative playmaking aspect to his game, it feels like the sky's the limit a little bit. Yeah. He's, uh, I got a lot of stock I'm sitting on, so I'm hoping this works out <laughs> by throwing up Trevor Lawrence stock. But it's watching today, it was cool. He's getting a little edge to him. Uh, he's yeah. Getting- He's getting I like little, that. I do too. I like that because that's not really how he's wired. No. And so I like seeing that. I know he's competitive because there's always there's the clip from him in college where he's playing at like the rec gym at Clemson and he like bows up on this like this random <laughs> student. And it wasn't it wasn't like in a bad way. I've watched the clip, but it was more like he's competitive as shit, like a lot of these psycho quarterbacks are. So it's awesome. But I mean the the creativity is always what's good. Like that's what we what we've talked about him. It's like, okay, is he more like Mr. Efficient, do 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 do, or can he extend a play he is a good athlete and he is so twitchy the touchdown run was so awesome the zone read because that play should have been dead in the water and he stiff arms a guy and leaves for the touchdown and gets up fired up even before that he had the extended play on third down where he's going up and out of the pocket throwing to his left and putting the ball outside 
catchable on the outside. It's like, oh, baby. And <laughs> they have an Ingram touchdown at the end. He signals a double move. He gave that. He gave the double move on that play before the snap. So he's playing with confidence. Where he's going for daggers right now. It's like hell yeah, this guy's awesome, man. He he's such a good, he's such a good quarterback. Anyone that's like a hater on him right now, it's like he has. There's no it's potential to be. He this guy is legitimately a top eight ish quarterback right now, which is really fun when they can really shore up and they're not putting so many targets to Zay Jones and Evan Ingram, and they get more talent around him. It's funny that early in the season, it kind of seemed like the Jags were on pace to beat the best team in the AFC South. Yeah, we got excited. Think things changed. Yes, and you know their defense—they had a bunch of turnovers today that they rode to winning this game, and also Trevor Lawrence playing well. The defense has been a disaster. I mean, you yes. called the game against the Lions. You called it a snuff film, and I think it's exactly the right way to characterize it. <laughs> so this Jaguars team isn't the Jaguars team we thought we were going to be watching in Week no. Three, but when you watch the final outcome today. And you think about the direction that the Titans are going. I think we may have reached a point, however winding the road, that the Jags might be the best team in the AFC South. But it's a little too little too late. (laughs) I know. It's like they have a better – they're even in point differential, which is better than the Vikings. Like it's just like, oh. Their point differential is zero. They they are at zero. They are the only team in the AFC South that doesn't have a negative point differential. Are the Jacksonville Jaguars? That's so unbelievable. I mean, there's so many games that they pissed away where they just did something. Oh, their one, their record they, in one score games is horrendous. It's I mean, horrendous. It, it just it, it's. Well, I think it might be the worst in the league in terms of the you know, one score games they've lost. I know it's the, the cardiac cats. Like they, that's what they just want to be. Right now, it's kind of flipping the other way, especially that Ravens game, that fourth quarter there. Like, okay, maybe some of these are going ahead. This was them adjusting in this game was really good. Like they, yes, turnover turnovers help. But it's also they – at first, after I was watching that first quarter, I was like, Derrick Henry might run for – what's Adrian Peterson's record? You know, Or what's, what's the record again for yards in a game? Because he might run for 250 on this game against this Jaguars defense. But they adjusted and they got the turnovers and they did enough against the pass. But if you have a quarterback, a young quarterback playing this confidently and this well, you're going to be in every game. So that's actually kind of frustrating that we might not see this team in the playoffs because that point differential kind of shows that this team is playing the best ball in that division easily. Yeah, I mean, it, they get the record in one-score games is very telling. I'm trying to find the odds right now. I believe they have like a 10% chance to win the division. That's, I think that's right. And yeah, it, it's it's probably not going to happen. No. But with this, it's about what do things look like next year, you know, yep. and, and about uh, what direction are you headed, especially on offense. And I, I think the direction is firmly going positively. I The Titans is really Lovely. does feel like one of those years where they win the division – they host the playoff game. They're heavy on. Well, I guess it'll depend on who they play, right? Right. So right now they the would play. They play the Bengals. <laughs> yeah, I mean the this Titans are. It. Yeah, the Titans are a better. The Bengals are a much better football team than the Titans. Yeah. So they will be, I think, a fairly heavy underdog if they were to play a Cincinnati oh. team in I'm, the first round of the playoffs. And that's if the Bengals don't make the playoff or don't make, win the division, right? Because right, we'll see what happens there. So let's talk about. Uh, but if that we Bengals could get a team. barn burner week 18 Titans Jaguars game, if they, if the stars align. So that could be actually a really fun week 18 matchup. Oh, that that's, it seems far off. I, I, I would love to see but that. Be, I mean, it'd be better than that Thursday, those Thursday night mustard uniform games that we watched when they did the color rush and like just the well, salt we get Jets, on our Jags eyes. on a Thursday night. We get yeah. Jets, Jags Thursday night, Thursday, December 22nd. We'll see if a couple days before Christmas, if we want to do a live reaction to that Ooh, one. I think that could be a good one. 
Could be a I'll, good one. I'll probably, I'll probably be down. I got nothing better to do. I know oh. that about myself. All right. <laughs> before we get out of here, let's talk about that, the, that Bengals team. They beat the Browns today. Ravens, we're going to talk about on the money hangover tomorrow. I just, I don't have the Anthony Brown patience right now to, to talk about third quarterbacks. And it's just, it's very late. Sando and I will talk about the Ravens. They, they pull that one out in ugly fashion. That's all they have to do right now with Lamar out. Bengals beat the Browns today, 23 to 13, excuse me, 23 to 10. Seems like they did enough. I mean, it just, uh, T. Higgins misses most of this game. Tyler Boyd and Jamar Chase comes back, has a huge presence in their offense. Yeah. Defense was fantastic against the run. Yes. And one of those, I want to go back and actually watch the tape and see if this number is right because it was kind of surprising when I saw it. We talked on Thursday about how heavy of boxes they were playing against the Browns. Yeah. It says that they were only using heavy boxes like 43% of the time compared to like 80% or 73% in their previous matchups with Cleveland. So I'm wondering if that's actually right or if that's a true media maybe, quirk. Maybe the formation's changing for the Browns a little bit. Something like that. Yeah. And they had a 73% rushing success rate today, even with using those lighter boxes against yeah. the Browns. I mean, So the, the defense was fantastic in what they needed to do. And then the offense does just enough. And Bengals keep on rolling. Bengals keep on rolling. That's exactly it. Uh, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt had 18 rushes for 40 yards combined today. That that against the Browns. That's how you stop the Browns. They're gonna. That's how they're gonna live and die. But the Burrow was playing. I mean, the touchdown throw to Chase that Burrow threw was. Talk about timing and accuracy and like ball placement. Holy shit! Like Chase wasn't even ready for it. He had a couple of those. He had three. He had three runs today. Two scrambles and a design rush. All on third down. All picked up a first down. Like he Burrow is playing so well right now. I mean, this I mean, I'm gonna keep saying this. I'm probably pissing off a lot of fans when I say the second team all pro voting is gonna be very interesting at the end of this year <laughs> after Patrick Mahomes. But the last thing I want to say is even the flea flicker touchdown, they did it out of shotgun. They're tying it all together. And I love that about this team. It's I'm really becoming a huge Bengals fan. They're sprinkling more RPOs as well. They did that a little bit. I think they got away from it. They sprinkled a little bit more today. Um, but yeah, no, they find a way to win. They can win ugly. We talked about when we were starting to get high on this Bengals team. We looked at their or their remaining schedule. We're like, whew, that's rough. They're three and zero so far since we had that segment. Three and zero against that tough ass schedule, and they you know they're playing real, playing some of the best football, complete team football that anyone in the league right now. So Trey Hendrickson broke his wrist in oh, this no. game. That's worth mentioning. It seems like he's going to miss a few weeks. Okay, uh, that's what Ian Rapport reported. So hopefully, he actually played the entire fourth quarter with a broken wrist. I think yes, uh, which is absolutely insane. That so, is insane. <laughs> uh, so he hopefully will be back because again, I'd love to see this team at full strength. Yeah, uh, I don't we talk about the Lions being potentially the, you know, the fourth best team in the NFC. I think the Bengals are firmly the third best team in the AFC and. You could make an argument that they are right there yeah. you know, with the Bills and the Chiefs right now. I, I would hear that argument and probably not disagree with it if you wanted to say the Bengals had a real case to be maybe the best team in the AFC as things currently stand. There's no cutoff for me anymore. It's not yeah. I Bills, a good way to Bills play Chiefs cutoff. It's no, it's a three it's a three team tier. And I, I there th- this team can hang with anybody. There's not there's not where they have they're not I, I think I said this the other week and I'm gonna repeat it, is that there's no bad matchups for this team. Like they're yep. going to be able to find a way to win against any any matchup that they have the rest of the way. No, I'm with you. I, I think it's a three horse race in the AFC right now between those three teams. All right, 
That is all we have for tonight. If you guys have not subscribed to our YouTube channel, please do that. If you're listening to the podcast version of this, there's a link in the description. You can click on that. We do our live Sunday recap shows on YouTube every single week. We do our Thursday reactions to the Thursday night games on YouTube. We did one last week. We'll do one this week. So if if it's a good time. It we is. had Baker Mayfield last week. You never know what's going to happen. We had a so, CMC trade one time. We had you know, Justin Fields making us sad. <laughs> the YouTube channel is also where you can watch Nate's Wind the Clock. So we have a bunch of YouTube-specific content that we're doing this year. So please go check that out if you have not. Please subscribe to The Athletic. Theathletic.com slash football show is where you can do that. Read all of the great coverage that we have. Fantastic NFL coverage day in and day out. We will be back tomorrow with Mike Sando doing the Monday Hangover, hitting some of the games we did not hit today. Until then, really appreciate you guys listening. We'll talk to you soon. This was The Athletic Football Show.